everybody to this brand new podcast, It's a Crazy Life. My name's Sarah and I'm just a crazy lady on a mission to motivate, educate and inspire you on your very own journey to become the best version of yourself. Welcome back everybody to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. As always, my name is Sarah and I will be your host. Today we've got a huge, huge show. Um, <laughs> it's amazing um, the knowledge this girl has. I'm interviewing the lovely Laura Bryan of Mind Nourishing. Laura is a nutritionist who actually supports busy women to boost their energy and mood through improving gut health. Laura is all about the gut baby and I just know this episode is going to blow your mind. She's going to talk to us today about nutrition and hydration and why it is so beneficial towards our mental health. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Let's get on with it. Welcome, Laura, to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to hear what you're going to share with us all. So how are you today, Laura? I'm good, thank you. And I'm so grateful for being on. So thanks so much for inviting me. Brilliant. That's lovely to hear. So I'm so glad to have you here. <laughs> so Laura, first and foremost, as always, for all of my guests, tell us what is your story? So what do you do and what has brought you to the wonderful world of nutrition? So my story probably um, with nutrition started when I was pretty young, really about 10 or 11. And I remember kind of having a, a comment made to me about my body and kind of instantly then becoming more interested in nutrition but from a standpoint of a typical young woman girl where it was about calories it was about making myself smaller restriction all of these horrendous things that we kind of put on ourselves during teenage years and I remember just having so many messages about oh eat cereal for breakfast and lunch and you'll look like this supermodel in a red bikini and <laughs> like just all of these different stories about what I should be doing with food that I totally absorbed and I would check the calories and I would I, I would I in my head I thought great I am I'm eating healthily because I'm restricting all of this sugar and all this fat and because I was so obsessed with nutrition inverted commas I did an undergrad in exercise nutrition and health um, and that started to kind of open my mind that food was more than just calories which was great for me um, and after that I kind of worked out in the community I was now eating much better much more balanced a variety of foods but the community that I was working with, I was trying to encourage them to live more active lifestyles, to eat better. And I noticed that a lot of these families had really severe mental health issues. Um, some of, well, I would say the majority of the families had either like depression or anxiety, parents couldn't leave the house, they were struggling to take their kids to the sports sessions. And at the same time, I really noticed that their diet was really restricted in the fact that it was very beige very processed and fruit and veg well veg only really came on a Sunday dinner and I was just so passionate that I was now feeling so energized and so good and so amazing on myself because I was feeding myself properly with with a, a good balance that I just knew there had to be a, some kind of link so I went back to uni, did a master's in nutritional therapy, set up my business, Mind Nourishing. And my passion now really is just to show people that the foods they eat can really impact their mental well-being, but from a place where it doesn't have to be an obsession, like it can just be integrated into a quote unquote normal life and can just make us feel fantastic. Brilliant. So I love what you said there, especially the bit about calories, because I think as women, that's what we all do straight away. We're yeah. calorie counting. And really, that, that's, that, that's not the right way to do it, is it? We need a balance. No. And I found like it, it just it takes over. It means that 
I remember going like going to I think it was a harvester and I really really loved ribs I like like barbecue ribs that was my favorite meal at harvester and I remember when they started releasing the calories of the meals and I remember then just being so overwhelmed by the calories and then opting for the one with the lowest amount of calories that I didn't enjoy it didn't fulfill the need didn't kind of emotionally make me feel good and I, I just see this all the time people just putting so much value on calories when they they, they don't really mean that much like our body isn't a machine like but what we get from one type of food calorie wise and another can affect our bodies in so many different ways but I think we've tried to simplify food in our bodies so much to think that calories are like exactly what they say on the tin where they're totally they can be really irrelevant really that's so interesting to know because even on like now if you if I was to pick up um you know uh, a chocolate bar it would say my my reference intake should be 2,000 calories a day yeah but that really doesn't mean anything then it I guess uh, it, it, we don't I guess it's it means something to a certain extent and it can be helpful for some people. That's why I don't ever shame people if they if that works for them. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. But the the calories, for example, that we would get from an avocado yeah. are gonna yeah. kind of and people are always like, oh my god, avocado's got so many calories. But the the calories that we get from that is just so much more than the calories. It's the 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 fats. It's the kind of vitamins minerals everything that's in there is going to affect our bodies very differently from getting the same amount of calories from say like a brownie like neither of them are bad but they're going to affect our body in completely different ways so so yeah I, I think it, we we have become obsessed with calories but um I, I think there is a much yeah I I, I wouldn't really recommend counting them for, for the majority of people yeah Brilliant, because that, I think that will be a bit of a, a relief for some people. Oh, God, yeah. It was a relief for me when I stopped doing it because it's <laughs> so time-consuming. And it's just, oh, it just means that you you just, you, you suck out that, like, spontaneous joy from food because if you're trying to think and calculate and do all this maths, then, yeah, you just can't fully connect with food, maybe. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. And I love what you, you were saying there as well. Well, I didn't love it, but it's interesting, the link, what you were saying between the people you were working out in the community with. Yeah. Uh, they were eating very beige foods and, you know, vegetables only come on a Sunday, which I suppose a lot, a lot of families probably do live like yeah. that in this. In yeah. this and then you were saying the link there with their, their severe mental health issues. Mm. So on that, this is mainly the reason why I've asked you onto the show today. Yeah. Um, but what is then the link between food and our mood then? How does that? There's, there's so many different ways that food can affect us. And I think we're still learning a lot. Like nutrition science is really, well, it, it can be quite far behind. It's really difficult to actually learn about nutrition because there's lots of things that can impact how we feel. I guess like kind of breaking up into some of the few basic things so first of all food is obviously our fuel isn't it so what we eat is then broken down into our energy and different types of foods can affect our energy levels so for example if our energy our blood sugar levels are imbalanced we might find that we get bursts of energies and then we get quick kind of drops of energy where we might feel hangry or maybe anxious when our blood sugar levels are low. So that's kind of one way that our foods initially can affect how we feel. Um, but also like food is, it involves all of these micronutrients that we need for energy that make us feel kind of well enough to be able to go and do other things that we enjoy so for example if we're not feeling energetic we're less likely to want to go for a walk or do that morning yoga so it really is that initial fuel that can help us to have healthy activities that we enjoy that can boost our mood mm -hmm. but I guess that the thing that 
I particularly became interested in and the stuff that kind of blows my mind really is about actually what we're learning about the bacteria in our gut and how that can impact our mood. Um, and we've been learning quite a lot about uh, the different um, kind of neurotransmitters that our gut bacteria can create. So 90% of serotonin, our happy hormone, is actually created in the gut. And I think the more that we learn about things like dopamine, our reward hormone that's created by bacteria in the gut, and GABA, our kind of relaxation hormone, I think it becomes harder to ignore that link between how our food feeds our bacteria and then our bacteria give us our energy our kind of feel-good hormones and so many other things that they help to control so there is a huge link we don't fully understand it but it's very exciting kind of area to be in I think I think it's so mad how it's the bacteria that gives I know the chemicals to feel good (laughs) you just wouldn't imagine that would you (laughs) I know and what I remember like learning about the kind of extent of bacteria and there's like trillions of different bacteria and there are more bacteria cells in our body than human cells so do you know when I'm just like oh my goodness like am I being controlled by these (laughs) bugs in my gut but to some extent we are because yes we we work in harmony and we 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 kind of give each other what we need But for example, our gut bacteria can really influence our cravings. They can influence like our behaviours. So it's it is incredible, really, what they can do. But um, but it's amazing that we can almost modify that environment through the food that we eat. Wow. So I wonder then what sort of like you just said there that the the bacteria can affect our behaviours. I wonder what the link is then behind sort of like stress, anxiety and depression behaviour? Like what, what is it, it that triggers that? I, like you okay. said, go on, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so we know that generally people who suffer from depression tend to have a less diverse gut bacteria and okay. they'll kind of be lower in some of the, um, the kind of beneficial bacteria that are normally ideally quite high so things like lactobacillus bifidobacteria so on the other side of the scale we know that the people who live the longest happiest lives have the most diverse gut bacteria so there is something in the amount of variety that that kind of impacts um our mood the thing is though we don't really know kind of what came first whether it's that the individual has a less diverse gut gut bacteria which affects their mood because maybe they're not creating some of these feel-good hormones or it's that the kind of depression means that maybe that individual's eating behaviors have changed they may be going out in nature less which can affect our gut bacteria or it could be a range of both so it's really kind of we don't really know why there is a difference and what came first, but we know that there is some kind of link between gut bacteria and mood. I, I just, what you just said there about nature. So getting out yeah. in nature affects the bacteria in your gut as well. Yeah. So this, I guess, and this becomes more prevalent, I guess, when we are living in a time where we're trying to be particularly clean we've got and obviously it's for a good reason hand sanitizers and things like that and there's kind of been like generations of children who aren't really going out and playing or rolling around in dirt and eating dirt and having mud sandwiches whatever it is and actually we know kind of throughout our lives we can we get bacteria from the air we breathe from the food we eat from physical contact Um, But there are types of bacteria that are found in nature um, that have an amazing benefit on our well-being, but it's we're kind of becoming less um, exposed to these types of bacteria because we're not going out in nature as much, um, which is why it's kind of obviously nature has a variety of different like health benefits away from bacteria, but that potentially could be 
another benefit of supporting our diversity is kind of getting out there and not being afraid to get a bit muddy and and it's fine it's um, and the same thing as well kind of on this note it's been found that children with pets so kids who are like around dogs and things like that actually tend to have a, a more diverse gut bacteria because they're exposed to the bacteria from the dog and, but that's a really positive thing wow so this right so this this reminds me of my mum like because she, yeah. she used to say um because my friend had a baby and she clean 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 and yeah. used to say, oh you don't want to do that you want to let her get some bacteria but my friend was so scared of the baby touching his surfaces or, or, or my dog or anything like that She'd be like, no, 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 I've got to keep her safe. So what my mum was saying then in her old-fashioned way of exposing children to germs and bacteria is actually building their immune system and it's making their gut yeah. bacteria better. Yeah, so there's been, um, obviously, there's kind of been a generation after we learned more about germs and things like that that really tried to lower that exposure to germs because they were seen in a very negative way um, and it's quite interesting that after that's happened there has been a huge increase in things like allergies because um, children aren't being exposed to some of these things at an early age so their immune system doesn't really know what they are and it means that when they are exposed to these things um, their, their immune system hasn't really learned how to deal with it so they kind of fire at things that generally don't really need to they're not going to cause harm to the body but that immune system hasn't got the maturity to know what it is so yeah it's it's the, I guess there's always kind of like levels of um like ideally you don't want to have a filthy house do you oh. but generally there there is nothing kind of um like particularly negative about just trying to allowing kids to just get stuck in a bit and maybe yeah like just playing outside and hugging animals like generally that can be a really positive thing in terms of bacteria okay so all right now i've touched on this next, next subject and i know that you love it too and i know that what we've just spoken about kind of falls in under this umbrella so please tell us so people know i'm not going mad that we do have a second brain <laughs> which lives in and what does it do yes so i guess what we've kind of been speaking about already kind of builds up a little bit of this what we refer to as our, our second brain um, and what is so interesting with this gut environment is that it is of, it's directly connected to our first brain the, the one in our head okay mm -hmm. so our gut and our brain is connected through a nerve called the vagus nerve and we know that our gut can communicate to our brain. We've, we've all experienced it. If we've kind of ever had butterflies or if we've ever had some kind of gut instinct, like something that we can't explain, but we've got a feeling that, and we've kind of done this for, for forever, haven't we? Like talk about gut in, instinct. Um, but we actually now know that this, this is a real thing. And again, we don't fully understand it, but if we think about the messages that go between our gut and our brain, I always tended to think that, right, it's probably mostly our brain talking to our gut, but actually we now know that 80% of the messages that go down that vagus nerve are actually from our gut up to our brain. So our brain is constantly telling, sorry, our second brain in our gut is constantly telling our brain different things. It's kind of sending information about our hunger. It's potentially changing mood. It's changing energy levels. So that is what we kind of referring to as, as our second brain, because we know that our gut is communicating with our brain, but also with a, a variety of different systems in our body um and it's yeah it's pretty amazing but um something again that we're we kind of we're always learning new things about and um, yeah. so I, I, there's probably so much that we don't know about what our gut environment does which is quite exciting yeah because it was it's mad because like way way back in my in my journey when i started this like i found that it, there's there's some chemicals in some food that pass through our second brain that can send a signal to our first brain 
and that yeah. can have a detrimental effect on the way that your well, your mood and the way your mental health is is that yeah. Is that kind of yeah so there's, there's a variety of different ways that it can be messaged I think there's like trillions of nerve endings in our gut so that can kind of be the way that we send messages it can be through our vagus nerve it can be through our bacteria um kind of sending signals to kind of change our hormones so it there's it's quite it can be quite a complex variety of things that our our gut does um but yeah it, it is really incredible and and i think when i think i remember reading um a research paper about mice that they tried to keep their like their gut completely germ free and like bacteria free and these they, they couldn't survive like we we could not survive without our gut bacteria because they not only kind of break down the food that we eat but they yeah they're really involved with all the signaling and they're kind of homeostasis within our body so um so yeah it's 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 uh it's a real interesting area it's massive isn't it it's like you couldn't you couldn't get it all out in an hour's worth of a podcast it's just no no yeah and it blows it blows my mind it's yeah it's um and it's something that a lot of people don't know about. So that's what I'm I'm trying to kind of share that actually that that our gut bacteria is there and it's doing so much work for us. And actually we can we like today we can really influence what our gut bacteria looks like tomorrow because it is changing all the time. So I think it's quite empowering to know that actually we can really affect what it looks like. Oh my goodness so in this instance then what should we be eating and what should we avoid so if we think about I always like I don't always think because it's pretty sad but what we <laughs> I tend to try and think is that whenever I'm eating that I'm, I'm also feeding my gut bacteria as well like it's almost like your, your little pets that you take around with you they're with you literally 24 7 so gut bacteria's favorite food and the food that it's going to thrive on the most and you're going to get the most um beneficial bacteria is fiber so these are things like obviously fruit and vegetables whole grains nuts seeds legumes um they're generally pretty cheap foods they're foods that hopefully kind of make up um people's diets but in general we know in the uk we're not particularly good at eating enough fiber so it's recommended that we have about 30 grams of fiber every day but on average i think um in the uk population we only have about 19 grams and and to be honest a lot of my clients are generally lower than that because it can it can be quite hard um but the reason is that the fiber we don't really use as humans it goes to our colon and our bacteria just love it and they'll kind of um, digest it and then they'll create kind of short chain fatty acids that really support our gut environment so fiber rich foods are something that are really really important um and i think something else to mention with that is that quite often we can get stuck in eating the same things so yeah. you might just like right I'll have my fruit I'll always have an apple and an orange and like we'll, we're, we're creatures of habit so it's really easy to eat the same things um, but what we know with gut bacteria is that different types of bacteria eat different types of fiber so we need to ideally be eating different foods to feed our different types of bacteria because if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, the healthiest, happiest people who live the longest have the most diverse gut bacteria. You need to have a diverse diet to get that diversity. So that's probably what the, the main thing that I recommend people add in fiber. Um, and I guess in terms of what people should avoid, I always kind of like to come on this one with a little bit of tentativeness because I know for me and I know from people that I work with if I say Sarah you can no longer have any sugary foods like <laughs> what is literally the first thing that you want you want to just go and grab a chocolate bar like and I like 
this is something that I've tried to do before. I've tried to be like, right, I'm quitting sugar, like halo on. This is what I'm going, this is me now, no sugar. And it, it doesn't last. And I end up like craving it. It's all I can think about. And then I tend to then overeat on the chocolate or whatever it is. Yeah. So I never really like to encourage people to actively avoid anything. But I guess if we if we want to learn a little bit more about the impact of certain foods, what we do know is that if we if we tend to have a diet that is quite high in sugar, what that means is that sugar is so fiber is the kind of fuel for our beneficial bacteria and sugar sometimes can be the fuel for our less helpful bacteria. So it's not to say that we can't have any sugar because that's unrealistic. We all love sugar. It's like part of celebrating our birthdays. It's part of going out for drinks with our friends. Like it would be a sad place without sugar. But if we know that that can really fuel the less helpful bacteria that might promote things like bloating or it, like issues with our gut, maybe slight issues with IBS, it at least helps to, us to feel informed that maybe we can try and add more of these colourful, fibre-rich foods and maybe, yes, yeah, still eat sugar, but maybe see if there's anything else we can swap in instead that will still satisfy us. Um, so I think they're probably the main two things, as well as kind of making sure we're hydrated so that we can remove foods and things like that. But um, but yeah, I, I guess they're the two top things that I can recommend in terms of supporting that gut bacteria brilliant and so when you just said that because that was going to be my question about swapping the sugars what would yeah. you swap then if you had to say for instance somebody was on like you know chocolate bars that's their thing and, and what yeah. could they swap that bar for to get the same amount of sugar yeah so I guess it really depends on personal preference um so it could be that actually if that person just really, really loves chocolate and chocolate is their thing, then amazing. I love chocolate too. What we know is that the darker the chocolate, there tends to be less sugar in it. So what could be a, a, a nice swap so that you don't feel too deprived is maybe just increase the cocoa intake of your chocolate. So anything over 75% is going to have a lot less sugar than say your dairy milk so that could be a really easy swap to to kind of start reducing your sugar um or it could be that maybe you start seeing that well actually is it is it that i'm craving sugar or is it something else that i'm craving is it that kind of feel good vibe is it that i'm actually want a little bit more energy so maybe tuning into whether it is hunger that you're looking for or it is a craving and I guess in those instances if it isn't pure hunger it could be that you start to investigate other things that might allow you to have that same level of comfort so maybe it's like a really amazing bubble bath with candles on and that will make you feel comfort and support is loved or maybe it is that you you feel like you need an energy boost whereas actually maybe a quick walk outside in with a fresh air might also wake you up so I always like to think about investigating where that craving is coming from as well that's brilliant I've never thought of that so what you just said there about the bubble bath because like sometimes when you when you have a good munch on a chocolate bar or whatever you do feel that little oh like oh yeah you get a form. dopamine hit so yeah. yeah you get that reward feeling it feels good and yeah that's kind of what fuels the habit because we're looking for that but actually we can get that dopamine hit from lots of different places and and it's not to say that you shouldn't ever use food as comfort because that is an amazing thing that food can give us um, and it can be really, really helpful at certain times. But what I would say is that you don't want to just rely on food. You want to have different things that you can turn upon at different times so that, yeah, you, you, you've got lots of options. But also, I guess, coming back to our gut health, you also know that you are giving your gut environment that the, the best opportunity to thrive in a way that will help you thrive at the same time. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. That's, that's brilliant. That's a good little takeaway. Thank you. Okay, so thank you for that wealth of information. Honestly, I'm sat here like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting lost. So this is so much information, but it's brilliant. Thank you. So now let's move on to the hydration and that's getting your yep. good old two litres of water a day or there or thereabouts. So please tell us then, Laura, um, what is the importance of us being um, well hydrated? What can this do to our mental health specifically? So I guess in terms, if we're thinking about, first of all, our brain. So we know that our brain is around about kind of 70% water. So what happens is, is when we're dehydrated, it can mean that it can really impact our focus, how alert we are. It can make us feel lethargic. And like, I don't know about you, but if, if I feel lethargic and tired, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling top form. Like my mental health and my mental well-being is like, it's not optimal. So I guess in terms of our brain, obviously dehydration can also impact like um, headaches and those kind of things, which can also impact your mood. But I guess kind of coming back to our gut as well, we as a population, and I guess a lot of people that I work with are actually quite constipated and like apologies but I talk about poo a lot in my <laughs> profession especially when I'm talking about gut health but a lot of people are constipated and one of the reasons is is that they're not drinking enough water or maybe they're not having enough fiber or maybe they're not having enough fiber and enough water wow. so what happens is if we're not going to the toilet every day it means that obviously our food is kind of or our stools are kind of hanging around for a little bit longer than we want it gives opportunity for the less helpful bacteria to start to thrive and it also means that what happens is is that we can start to actually reabsorb some of the hormones or the toxins that we've been trying to get out through our stool so if we're not drinking enough it can really mean that it has the, and we're not getting rid of these uh, products this or the kind of waste products that we want to daily we can reabsorb them and it can have an impact on our hormones and obviously then on our mood because it means that if our gut bacteria is imbalanced again we've learned how that can affect our mood so hydration is is a lot more than just how our brain feels it's it's so important for our overall body like obviously our blood is mostly water so it, it's so important for so many different functions um, I'm really shocked at what you just said like you're saying yeah. that the stools and the food that are hanging around we can then reabsorb the hormones yeah. and then that so sorry we're going to turn this into a poo episode but <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> yeah so so what we tend to find it in female in females a lot of us tend to be have slightly more estrogen than is than we would have hoped and this is because there's potential lots of um environmental estrogens through things like plastics and things like that but also if we are constipated and we're reabsorbing some of the estrogens that we're trying to get rid of it just means that our body is kind of we're constantly um have higher levels of, of some of these hormones which can impact things like pms so things like cramping um and like low moods issues around kind of our menstrual cycle can often be a sign of too much estrogen which can be linked to constipation so with my clients if if i know that my client is struggle, struggling with unbalanced hormones getting them to a place where they're going to the toilet daily is one of the top goals because that is just our body's natural way of getting rid of some of these excess hormones so it's really really important to get to that stage oh my goodness I did not know that you actually flush away hormones I didn't yeah. know that yeah. oh wow this is this is crazy because like I just told you, I've just been speaking to a lady all about menstrual cycles and I yeah. didn't realise how much that affected our moods and, and the, the whole monthly cycle, how much it can affect our yeah. bodies. And now you're telling me that if we don't go to the toilet enough, we could also then affect our, our menstrual moods, our PMS, because it's all yeah. sitting in our bodies and going back into our bodies. Yeah. Our bodies, 
yeah our bodies are literally like insane like they are so complex and they are so kind of there's so much precision that like it's just mind-blowing about if one slight area is off it can have such a knock-on effect which is why quite often when I'm working with clients with gut issues often they've also got hormonal issues because it's they're so interlinked um and it's very very rare that I'll work with an individual and it will just be one part of their body that we work like it's never happened there's always a a kind of like a, a spider web of things that go on because we can't break up our bodies into little pieces which I think is why sometimes it's very difficult with within kind of like the NHS system and things like that when we've got specialists who work in a specialist area and there isn't that communication so some poor individual will be going to one doctor to talk about their hormones one to talk about their gut one to talk about their achy joints and there isn't all that linked together um which is just what how our bodies work Wow, this is just saying to me that nutritional therapists like yourself are so important at the moment. Like, well, not at the moment, just full stop. Because, like, what you're saying to me today, I, I did a research show a couple of weeks ago and I thought I pretty much covered it, but I've learned so much just from yourself, just by yeah. water and food. So, so basically, even if we just worked out every day of the week, every day of the year, but we kept eating shit food, we it would not help our, our our mental balance would it our hormones and our our mind no like well like exercise obviously is is something that is really important even kind of exercise can impact our gut bacteria and have positive impact on it but i i think people are missing a huge opportunity to improve their mental well-being and improve their overall vitality if they don't look at food and and I know it's so difficult because I know when I feel low or if I feel sad and if I feel upset sometimes you don't feel like cooking you don't feel like going to the shops and getting fresh food you don't feel like having a salad you just want you you just want food that's going to give you that dopamine hit really you want those kind of feel-good foods but I guess hopefully with this inf- information, even if it's just slight changes, like let's not, don't try and do all of it at once. But even if it is that, yes, you're, you want to continue with the quick microwave meals because actually that's all you can handle right now, then that is absolutely fine. But maybe, maybe you could add a handful of spinach. Maybe you could just see if there's any your favorite vegetable that you can feel like you're up to chopping up and just checking on the side if you can add that that is going to be having an effect and there was a study that I always like love to show and it was a study that looked at like 20,000 individuals and how many portions of fruit and veg they ate in a day and how um what their like well-being was like and what they found is that for every one increase of portion of fruit or veg there was an increase in overall well feelings of well-being so I think even if you're at the moment that you're not eating any fruit and vegetables even just having one is going to have an impact so I think it's it's we don't have to be unrealistic and say right I don't eat any but tomorrow I'm going to eat seven portions like don't go there because it's not it's not going to be sustainable just go for that next step see how you feel notice if you feel a little bit more energized and if you're up for it challenge yourself to then go up to the next step and just keep keep working at your own pace it's like jennifer ball was saying a couple of weeks ago if you are just one percent better today than you were yesterday and you do that every day you're going to be 365 percent better in a year's time aren't you oh i love that yeah. yeah so it's just like little little changes every day and also while while you're on that subject when you say about the fiber mm-hmm. now i've got to ask a question because some people say that cereals are really bad for you you shouldn't yep. eat cereals. but a lot yep. of people will think especially um i've got an auntie who's got type 2 diabetes she thinks that by eating shredded wheat every day is a, a fiber intake is that yep. is that correct what, what's the truth there about cereals yeah so cereals are a great source of fiber so obviously some of them are called like 
fruit and fiber like they will have fiber in them all i would say is that if we think about the bigger picture of it yes they will contain fiber but also because they are carbohydrates and often they they kind of have a high gi which means they can really impact our blood sugar levels even though they've got the fiber in there they can affect us in different ways because we'll eat them we'll get a a lovely burst of blood sugar but then that will drop quite quickly and then we'll feel hungry and maybe anxious and look for another snack to boost our blood sugar levels back up so yes they can be good for fiber but they might not be good for um blood sugar levels so what i tend to recommend is that i guess if you if you did want to have cereal in the morning which which can be a great option if you add a little bit of protein in as well so maybe you add some extra chia seeds or you maybe have some greek yogurt with it or a boiled egg on the side whatever it is that can really help to kind of stop that spike and dip of blood sugar levels but yeah it, it's a it's a difficult one but it, in terms of fiber you will get some from cereal so they they can be a good option but um, but yeah, maybe tune into how they affect you. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And then, okay, then, so what would you, because for me, water is a massive, I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just not excited by it. <laughs> so yeah. I really had to, so I, 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 I have barocas now and I have like, I have infusers where I put fruit in it and nice. stuff. So what what would advice would you give to people who just not, they, they find it really hard to drink the amount of yeah. water you need to a day. What would you say to those people? So I always try and say, like, try and make it as easy as possible for you. So if you have to get up every hour, walk down the steps, fill up a glass of water, come back up to have a glass, like, it's not really going to happen as much as you want it. So I always try and recommend people to always have that convenient and I'm showing my water bottle now, convenient water bottle, literally within your eye, eyesight. Yeah. Because what our subconscious mind will do is it will kind of notice it and it'll give us little triggers and be like, okay, yeah, I'm thirsty. My water bottle's there, drink it. I have found that sometimes playing like little games can really work. So sometimes with my clients, that it might be that they'll have like, um, a little game with family to see like how much they're drinking who can drink the most or um for example uh, some clients have decided that actually after every zoom meeting that will be the trigger as soon as they click off is they'll have a glass of water so it, it depends on your lifestyle how you create that habit but I know some people find that things like apps help to remind them or having reminders through the day or the water bottle that tells you how much you've drank. Um, but I guess in terms of making it interesting, yeah, what you, you were saying, adding bits of fruit, if that's what you enjoy, herbal teas are a good one, um, or even making sure you're adding in things like melon or lettuce or um, cucumber, all of these foods that are like pretty much I think they're like 95 98 percent water is just another way of getting extra water into your diet that's br that's really good actually I've started doing that I've upped my salad intake especially now in the summer yeah. I think there's, there's water yeah. there's loads of water but um, I was just going to ask then because I've had this argument with somebody before well I drink 10 cups of tea a day right yeah does that equate to, to the, the water intake that we need or yeah so to some extent, it will it will count because you are still taking in that water. Um, we do know that caffeine and ingredients in tea and coffee are a diuretic, so you will go to the toilet more. So you're not going to be actually having the equivalent of the amount of drink in there as your hydration. But actually, I think more recent science has said that the more that you will benefit more hydration wise than it being a negative impact okay so there will still be you'll still be kind of profiting from more water than you're losing through the your we yeah. um but i guess in terms of, of that as well like it's always thinking about the bigger picture so if you're having your 10 cups of tea 
then yes, you might be getting a certain amount of hydration from that. But actually, how is that impacting your sleep cycle? How is that impacting your mood? Because we know that caffeine can um, cause a release of cortisol in our body that affects our mental well-being. So yes, um, to one extent, it could be helpful. But I always like to look at the impact that that choosing that option as your only potential source of hydration is having an impact on all of the other things that's going on in your body right wow it is it's so strange isn't it it's all connected absolutely yeah. everything i mean I, know. I, I was doing this stretch the other day and i stretched quite a lot i was doing this stretch the other day and i literally just bowed my head and i could feel the stretch from my like toes to my head i was like what <laughs> how can you feel that yeah i guess we don't really think about we're so in our head aren't we a lot of time we don't think about everything that's going on automatically every even the process of breathing blows my mind like we've been breathing throughout this podcast and not once until now have i actually thought about that and like that blows my mind Yeah, it's true. Is that like, like another thing? I'm breathing. I, I said I used to shallow breathe. I didn't realise that I shallow breathe until yeah. I started doing breath work. And then I realised, oh my God, like I've been all my life and really I've got all this lung that I haven't used sort of yeah. thing. It's crazy, isn't it? And I think we do, we take it all for granted. We take mm. absolutely everything for granted. And right. I, you know, I, I've got a big bone of contention on around the, the processed foods and, and because it's so easily available and it's a lot cheaper than some of the healthy foods, we just because we just think right, we just need food because we're hungry. We just need food. But without this sort of knowledge of knowing, like, you know, how everything's affected, the gut, the gut bacteria affects our brain and stuff yeah. like that. We're just you, you, I, don't, I don't know. It's like I feel I feel like I've been reborn, shall we say? And, <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's the key, isn't it? It's like, until we learn about these things, like we don't know any better, do we? Like I knew I like before I learned about nutrition, I would quite often have like, unfortunately, a Weight Watchers dinner because I thought, well, this will be healthy because it's low calories. Like, like you can only act upon what you know so I think it's it's kind of no shame on people who maybe have a heavily processed diet because that might be all that they know maybe they don't know how to cook maybe they don't know what to eat but obviously hopefully now that you've started to understand the impacts that that choice might have you can make a more informed decision and that decision might be that actually you carry on eating what you are because that aligns with your life and that's absolutely fine but maybe that informed decision now might be that you've decided that this is a priority to change so I think it's yeah I think knowledge is power so hopefully yeah if people learn a little bit more today about their gut health and how they can impact it then hopefully yeah they can make the decision then about whether it will work for them exactly that Oh my goodness. Well, on the subject of learning, as you know, I love to share the love on this show. Um, So do you have anything in your arsenal that maybe the listeners could download or take part in um, today that could sort of help with their diet and their hydration? Yeah, so um, I do have a free PDF that people can download. So it's called Three um, energy boosting hacks for stressed and busy women Ooh. but obviously if you if you aren't a woman actually it's the, still the same tips <laughs> so it's, it's for everyone so don't be put off if you're like wait a minute <laughs> last time I checked so so yeah so that um will give you some initial ideas of how to boost your energy levels through food so yeah um I can send you the link for that that people can download. Sounds amazing. I'll get that on the Facebook page for everybody. And then lastly, um, because I I like I said to you, Robin, so I'm on your email list and I get so many your emails are amazing and the things that you do are so are so cool. So I was just wondering, is there anything that you're doing at the moment or coming up that um that you know the, the listeners could take part in to aid them in their journeys becoming the best like you know, best uh, selves that they could pay for? So an actual, you know, paid sort of course, anything like that? Yeah. So I've recently just launched um, 
a, a course linked with a clinical psychologist, which is all around kind of improving your relationship with food. So that's a group program that will be starting kind of at the end of September. Um, so I can share a link for that as well. Uh, the cart's open for another two weeks. So hopefully that kind of fits in with the, the podcast timeline. Um, potentially but if not I, I always recommend people just head over to uh, my Facebook Mind Nourishing or my group which is Good Food Good Mood by Mind Nourishing um, and yeah there, there's always lots of information about how you can boost your mood and your energy through food um, on those platforms. So, so, so I have a couple of days so if, they, if they're quick. If they're quick get in there and get a reduced price. <laughs> Oh my goodness, brilliant. Well, Laura, I've, I've got to say, I'm a bit like mind blown. I I really am I'm sitting here sort of, I was trying to take in all the information and trying to like think what to ask next, but I'm still taking everything in. I'm going to have to listen to this a few times, I think. Oh, bless you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. That That is it's so helpful. Like, because, you know, there's going to be things that people are going to hear today and they're going to be like, like me, they didn't have any idea that all of this led back to the, the, the mental health, really. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, like it, it blew my mind when I learned about it as well. So that's why I'm just like, I just wanted to like tell everyone because I think yeah. everyone needs to know about this. So um, so yeah, I guess, and I guess if anyone does feel a little bit like, oh my god, can't process that, like yeah, do head over to my social medias and just ask me any questions. I, I love talking about this topic, so I'll be happy to answer any questions mm-hmm. that anyone's and what's got. What's your um, what's your social media called again? Mind mind nourishing so yeah on instagram it's mind underscore nourishing and if you just go onto facebook and put mind nourishing you'll you'll find me there oh brilliant oh my goodness thank you so much laura for joining us this has been incredible i'm sure i'm sure this is you know this this episode is going to be amazing for people to hear so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today no thanks for having me i've enjoyed it (laughs) brilliant take care laura thank you thank you bye there you have it how amazing it was that um laura has blown my mind i you know i'm so grateful to her for coming on the show it's been absolutely awesome i do hope you've enjoyed it and feel free to listen to it a few times if you need (laughs) to take it in a little bit more but that's all for this week. Join me um, on our next show, which is going to be the 9th of October, where I'm going to be interviewing Sarah Keats Andrews, and we're going to be talking all about our menstrual cycles. So please don't switch off, guys. It's not all going to be blood and goriness. <laughs> it's actually going to be uh, beneficial to helping you to deal with the ebb and flow of your menstrual cycle. And maybe, guys, this will help you to understand your lady a little bit better. So I hope you'll all join me for that. But until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you all again very soon. You've been listening to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. My name's Sarah, and I've been your host. This podcast is dedicated to raising awareness for mental health whilst helping to end the stigma.